Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first episode of The Lost Traveler with Henry Cameron Allen. That's me. Uh, I'm very excited about starting this new project, The Lost Traveler podcast. Um, I have so many friends who are out in the world, who are leaders in life skills development, and people who are also not known uh, at large who have something to say about this new world, people who have a pioneering spirit, people who have gleaned wisdom throughout their lives and biographies, and this is a place to share it. Uh, we're all looking for new questions and hopefully some answers, especially at this time um, when we're dealing with this global crisis and trying to think about what's on the other side of it. Um, there's one philosophy that says you can't form the picture of the horizon until you reach the top of the mountain. And that's where we are. We are climbing the mountain together right now, all of us equal, all of us on the same footing, uh, precarious as it may feel, more precarious for some of us who are not as healthy as others. And so, um, you know, it's also precarious for those of us that have family and friends who are not uh, doing too well with this virus. And so, I wanted to provide a place to come and seek comfort, to seek wisdom, to share wisdom, and offer comfort as well. So um, I'm very excited that you're here, that you're listening. And if you have any questions uh, or ideas for subjects that you would like to be brought to the table here at The Lost Traveler, um, then please contact me, henry at henryallen.org. And I will make a point to get your, your questions answered. Um, I think you can also uh, send a message attached to this podcast. Um, if you would like to be a sponsor of The Lost Traveler, please contact me as well. Um, or if you want to be a guest, um, if I haven't already reached out to you, and I've reached out to a lot of people, uh, go ahead and uh, hit me up either on Facebook or, uh, again, at Henry at henryallen.org, and, uh, and you can uh, schedule a time with me to become a guest, and we'll talk about that. This will not be a place to promote products um, or books or, or anything else, but I will provide um, uh, sponsorship opportunities for those things. If you have something that you would like me to, um, to talk about uh, and share and uh, with your contact information or website, then certainly let me know. Uh, I'm currently in Spain, and data is quite expensive here. So uh, any funds that come in from sponsorships will go uh, to keep this podcast going if there is continued interest, and I hope there will be. Um, a little bit about me. I grew up um, all over the world. My father was a cultural diplomat for the United States Information Agency, uh, which is now defunct. But their work was to bring American culture overseas at a time in the 60s and 70s before there was even a McDonald's outside the United States. And so um, it was sort of the first push of American propaganda in the world. And uh, it's, uh, for better or worse, brought us to where we are in terms of a, a global uh sort of identity and um, how we, we connect to one another. Um, this brings up a lot of questions. It brings up a lot of challenges around culture and how we define culture. Uh, it brings up a lot of questions around nutrition 
and how we are feeding ourselves and our children um, and general overall mental and and physical health and so these are all subjects I want to tackle here on The Lost Traveler. Um, when we think about life skills uh, in the past uh, we have thought about um, these are these are qualities these are skills that every human being on the planet develops um, whether you're living in a, a small hut in the wilds of uh, Borneo or if you are living in a penthouse apartment on Park Avenue in New York City you're learning the same life skills um, and the question is where do we learn those skills and who teaches them to us actively typically parents uh, have been the sole responsible entity for bringing these skills forward to children and many parents uh, are deficient in in the life skills the very life skills that they are are expected to teach their children um, and therefore rely on schools to pick up the slack but teachers are there teaching their subjects they're not there to teach life skills unless there is in very rare instances a life skills curriculum and so uh we're hoping with Parenting 2.0 that uh, that we get these life skills the conversations going. Uh, we're not here to teach life skills directly, but we're here to be a vehicle for conversation and to ignite an interest. And that is um, in the spirit of, of what Parenting 2.0 is bringing, in the spirit of what I have always brought, both as a theater artist and director and writer, uh, but also as a life skills teacher and ambassador uh, on a global scale. Um, this is something that I, I think is important enough to talk about that I am uh, developing a, a weekly podcast. Um, and it'll be on Thursdays, every Thursday. Um, and it'll be available forever. Once you become a listener, please talk it up to friends and family if you find it interesting. Um, I will have a guest next Thursday um, and that will be announced very soon. Um, if you go to the website that's attached to this uh, to this podcast, uh, then you will then you'll find the information there about the following week's guest. So please keep in touch with me and ask me about whatever you want to know. And if I don't have an answer personally, I will find someone who does and I'll bring them on and we will address your questions. I want this to be listener informed. I want the questions and the subjects that we tackle to come from you. Um, if there is a question that you have about how to handle life now, which is turning in a very different direction than we ever expected, any of us, uh, how do we prepare our children to meet this world. Uh, I know a lot of students that are graduating from school right now don't even get to complete their graduation or some students are going to have to repeat part of their year once the cloud has lifted of this COVID-19 disaster. Um, but we don't know when that's going to happen and so we want to know for ourselves, we want to know for our children, we want to know for our families and our friends, our parents who are aging. Um, we want to know how to protect and how to prepare for a world that we can't even imagine yet because we haven't reached the top of that mountain. But let's climb it together. And
And without further ado, stay tuned for our first guest coming up right after this. This is our first interview. This is Simcha Shepsel Ben David, otherwise known as Saul Stewart Gefter, my father. Welcome to the first episode of The Lost Traveler. Well, it's great to be here. I'm so, from Delray Beach, Florida. And it's amazing what technology has brought us to that we can actually do this uh, between Delray Beach, Florida and Arroyo de Molinos, Arroyo Molinos de Montanches in Spain. <laughs> Well, it's great to have you as my first guest, Dad, because I have been thinking about thematically what what this time signifies in the greater scheme of things. And I was thinking about this today um, being Passover. Um, and, of course, we, we reflect the exodus out of Egypt of the Jewish people and plagues factor greatly in that story, don't they? Uh, yes, that's correct. The Passover is known as the uh, as the time of liberation, the celebration of freedom. And uh, that is why throughout modern history you find that uh, even though um, the Jewish people represent a minuscule part of the human race. Um, most of the great social movements dedicated to the improvement of man and woman's condition on earth and in the universe uh, uh, has uh, people of the Jewish faith as uh, members, founders, or movers and shakers. So I think the, the holiday goes beyond remembering a historical event that happened 3,500 years ago. It has significance uh, even today whenever you find any human being in bondage, whether it's intellectually or physically, that we have a duty to liberate them. Absolutely. Do you feel that... Given the state of the world and COVID-19, coronavirus, um, that it has a, a particular meaning for you uh, that's different? Why is this year different from all other years, in other words? Well, I say that uh, uh, plagues or epidemics uh, have occurred uh, every hundred years. I don't know how far back that goes, but it certainly goes back prior to the beginning of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's very interesting uh, because it shows uh, where excess can lead. Um, I think uh, failure to pay attention to uh, the norms of good health, good eating, um, education um, led to uh, this virus 
uh, occurring and being spread uh, throughout humanity. I, I would agree with that. In my introduction um, to this first episode, I mentioned that I had grown up in different countries in the world uh, because of your work. And talk a little bit about the just sort of just to reflect a little bit on what it meant to you at the time that we first went overseas um, with the USIA. Um, the impact that 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 work had on the world as we see it today and in terms of what you're talking about because I I remember being a little kid and I remember um, going to I think wasn't it in an airplane hangar uh, a huge expo of American culture right and this was this was the first push um, during those years of of bringing you know, sort of an awareness to American industry. And that included fast food, that included entertainment and sports and, and technology and everything else. Um, do you see sort of a ripple effect from that time now that that you can reflect on a little bit and, and talk about? I'm really interested in that. Well, and, and what... Uh... What respect? Well, um, I remember, you know, when you're talking about nutrition, for instance, let's talk about nutrition. Um, I believe the, 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 was it Pepsi that was a sponsor? Pepsi? You remember? I, I think I remember Pepsi being a sponsor or one of the cola companies. Um, No, I don't recall. You you referring to a cultural exhibition? Yes. The cultural exhibition that went to Russia? That went to Russia. Yeah. At that time. Which was really what was that? At that was what, nineteen three? Nineteen seventy Soviet Union. That was in seventy two seventy three. Right. Uh during the time of the Soviet uh, government of uh, Leonid Brezhnev, who was the general right. secretary of the Communist Party and a great collector of automobiles. <laughs> and I remember, but it wasn't just happening in, in, in the USSR, right? I mean, this, this kind of, of cultural expo was happening all around. Well, uh, USIA's mission... Uh, which began on August 1st, 1953, mm -hmm. being signed uh, by uh, an executive order, I believe, by President Eisenhower at the time. Um, their mission uh, was to spread uh, America's, uh, tell America's story to the world. And right. uh, one of the vehicles used was a cultural exhibition, which usually included a 600-volume library, uh, films and videos, uh, and mm -hmm. actual uh, exhibition uh, items. Uh, the one you you remember was probably Recreation USA, which uh, was more aligned with 
recreation in America in all its forms um, and demonstrating that to foreign audiences. Right. And that was that was really a, a first of its kind, wasn't it? Well, it, uh, I don't re- remember an earlier one uh, with that theme. Um, and uh, so that uh, took us through six cities in the Soviet Union at the time, all the way to Siberia, to Armenia, to the Ural Mountains. Uh, Do you think that that, that, that time right. from the 50s into the 70s when when that sort of PR, um, call it propaganda of American culture was, you know, being introduced to the world on that scale. This is before the internet or, you know, we were still (laughs) looking at newsreels in the early days. Um, do you think that that had an impact on the way the world operates today and, and, in terms of nutrition, in terms of education, everything you were talking about, um, for well, better or worse, it, do you... you know, of course, it it had to have had an impact uh, through all the vehicles of communication, uh, beginning with the radio, and the mm-hmm. Voice of America still is in existence, uh, uh, broadcasting twenty four hours a day to uh, most of the countries of the world in their own language. Uh, the programming, including many, many topics uh, from politics to economics to cultural uh, subjects, including nutrition and health uh, and what have you. So uh, it went from movies and radio uh, Mm -hmm. to uh, video and uh, then to television uh, and uh, exhibitions uh, on the ground exhibitions uh, uh, were one of the communications vehicles that was used to tell America's story to the ground uh, to the world and this uh, influenced uh, young people uh, at the time uh, and uh, all peoples to uh, uh, improve their uh, themselves and their society so I think uh, the programming uh, through whatever vehicle, uh, communications vehicle, uh, has made a lasting impact. Can you can you find a link between where we are now and what you were talking about uh, in the way that we educate one another and the way that we feed one another? Do you think that 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 had potentially a, a a negative outcome in some ways? Not not to point any blame or fingers or anything like that. Just sort of reflecting on where we've been and where we are now. The whole the whole idea for this podcast is to gain new skills for this time, and I think that that it's important to reflect on the past, how we got here which your work was, was certainly significant in, in how the world um, is today. And not just you, obviously, but, but the, the agency and, and, um, and many others. It's, uh, 
you know it's it's just a really interesting it's been sitting on my mind a lot as i've been thinking about health and then thinking about nutrition not only my own but my family and friends and seeing around me um the way that 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 people um are struggling so much with their health today. I just, I don't know. It's, it was a curiosity of mine and I thought this would be a really interesting exploration with you. Well, I think, I think one of the, uh, uh, one of the benefits of uh, that kind of cultural programming uh, in the health Mm -hmm. and food area, particularly Mm -hmm. resulted from uh, advocating uh, self-development and self-education uh it's much uh the world is a much smaller place because of the communications revolution and the availability of information uh almost instantly on any subject and any topic including health and food uh so i think uh the development of technology was a very very positive thing and uh, it's up to man to decide how uh, he's going to use that technology and either learn from it or, unfortunately, not learn from it. So there's the upside uh, that we're a healthier uh, society. <clears throat> we eat healthier. We know more about uh, food, nutrition, and health than our parents' generation did or our grandparents' generation did. And I think this is a great part of the uh, ongoing American Revolution, uh, which has been brought to the world through uh, the development of technology. Do you think that that given where we are right now, um, and, I, and I definitely hear that perspective. I think it's really an important one to, to hear. But at the same time, I feel like we're struggling with things like obesity and diabetes that are unprecedented in human history all over the world. Cultures that never had certain diseases related to nutrition, uh, especially in the East, um, are now dealing with the same diseases of the west and i'm looking around the world and i'm looking in my own you know circle and and my own body my own self and i see i see a lot of disease i see a lot of um you know difficult uh, uh challenges with health and nutrition i don't i don't see necessarily through the same lens that 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 the world is is healthier than it ever was <laughs> i think it's it's actually the opposite in many many ways i think well, we've, we've you can use as a parallel we've gone to the other, can, the other extreme you can use unfortunately as, you can use as a parallel uh how people react or don't react to the advice on how to take care of themselves uh Mm-hmm. During this uh, virus, um, a coronavirus uh, crisis, uh, the yeah. best minds um, on the subject advise people to wear masks. They've advised people to not congregate with other people. 
Um, they've advised people how to um, clean and uh, be uh, healthy and uh, avoid, mm-hmm. to a great extent, spreading uh, this virus or uh, getting the virus. Now, taking the use of masks as an example, you will go into any public area anywhere in the world and see a lot of people with masks and a lot of people without masks. Well, the information is available. The human being has free will. And those people that choose not to wear masks are making a voluntary decision and and choice as to uh, their own bodies and uh, their relationship with their fellow human being. Uh, Similarly, in terms of diet and nutrition, the information Mm -hmm. is out there. The information is available. There are people who are uh, adhering to what they've learned and what is being offered to them in terms of increased knowledge in the nutrition area and other people who choose simply to go into McDonald's and to keep eating uh, McDonald's uh, uh, every day and not uh, following uh, and dismissing uh, the information that's out there as to why that type of a diet uh, is unhelpful and the negative results that will occur. And so in a room of 100 people, <coughs> find those that uh, have learned something and are applying that knowledge and those that uh, heard that and learned that but decided to, uh, not to apply and then they have to pay the negative price and society has to pay the negative price. This has occurred throughout the history of mankind, uh, figuratively speaking, since the time of Adam and Eve. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. law is there. You decide you're either going to go through the stop sign or go through the red light or not. And if you do, you have to assume the risk of what is going to occur uh, by your not uh, uh, applying uh, the knowledge that uh, is available. So I, I don't see any difference between um, the uh, characteristic of free choice today than it was to the human being 50,000 years ago who walked the face of the earth. Uh, if a uh, medicine man or a shaman said, don't eat that kind of a mushroom because it's poisonous, I'm sure there are those that did not believe him and those did not uh, agree and wanted to try it anyhow and wound up killing themselves. So I I think uh, man uh, having free will uh, has to decide uh, what his own fate is going to be. Yeah. Right on the money. And I think that, that it leads me to my, my next question about the importance of spirituality 
and religious law during this time and uh, during any time. I mean, we, we can look back. You're right. We can look back through history, pre prehistory, <laughs> and we can see that that cause and effect that you're talking about. Um, but you're you're correct that the world is much smaller now. Right. In fact, some might argue that the world is flat again. Um, I can have a simultaneous conversation with you in Florida and uh, someone in California and someone in Spain and someone in Brazil and someone in Africa in the same moment. Um, and, and that's changed things for humanity. Um, and I think it, it also opens up to the question of, of that I explore in my, in my artistic work, in my theater work, that dance between the human physical and the human spiritual. What do you see as the spiritual ramifications or, or importance of, of this time that we are in right now, given that you have lived the years that you have and have gleaned the information, have traveled the world, and you have... Uh, more than most people I know, you have a a, a comparative uh, ability given your biography. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, I think you ought to elucidate a little further uh, on this point. Because spirituality is a personal thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, speaking about uh, man's uh, position uh, in the universe, uh, all I have to do is take a, a photograph of the cosmos, uh, a NASA photograph, and see the uh, minuscule uh, representation that the Earth makes in terms of the universe. And that's the same uh, uh, almost as if you are looking at yourself versus the rest of humanity. Uh, people look at themselves as uh, king of the mountain, as the center of the universe, uh, when in reality, uh, we are just a speck of dust uh, in a vast uh, um, cosmos. Uh, and I think one has to reflect upon uh, what exactly is our position um, as human beings to the rest of creation. And it is in, in that uh, sense, uh, you develop a spirituality, um, uh, knowing what your position really is. If you've ever been in the middle of an earthquake, uh, for example, you realize the power of nature and the impotence of man. Uh, well, we're now with this virus, we're only able to do that after a personal experience. So um, mm -hmm. the question of a spiritual identity is something that's within the human being <clears throat> in the sense that knowing that all 
that surrounds you in the physical world could not have happened by accident. Um, and that we're, we're like a part in an automobile. Uh, the automobile can't work as it was designed to work if it has no wheels. Uh, similarly, the human being uh, can't work the way the human being was designed uh, without a spiritual connection with that power uh, which created everything, including the human being. So I think spirituality is a very personal uh, question, and um, it, everybody has their own definition. And what about religion, religious law, and doctrine? Well, religious law and doctrine, uh, uh, I think, applies as well uh, in the sense that uh, uh, you have to, uh, just as you have to adhere to the laws of nature, <clears throat> the laws of mathematics, the laws of physics, uh, there are certain uh, religious laws that have been uh, put into the mixture, um, whether written by X or written by Y, uh, but they are there, and there are certain spiritual truths, uh, and one approaches those spiritual truths by adhering to a certain uh, way of going about conducting your life, and that's what religion is. It's man's relationship to himself, and more importantly, man's relationship to the power that created the universe. <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why so do you think revolve that... around the sun and the sun not revolve around the earth? Uh, and it just right. happened that way. Um, I don't think so. Man has been looking, for example, for the missing link and has never found the missing link. There are those that believe that he never will find the missing link. And there are others that believe that uh, uh, one day uh, one will discover that uh, beings from another uh, solar system or another part of the universe uh, seeded the earth. And uh, that's where uh, mankind came from. Uh, it's, very, uh, it's a very personal question. That's why there's no right mm -hmm. and there's no wrong on the question of uh, religious belief. Uh, many people uh, study Christianity, they study Taoism, uh, Taoism uh, Confucianism, and um, Buddhism, and they find many, many similarities um, in these religions uh, and it is no accident uh, it is just mm -hmm. where a certain group of people found themselves in the universe and it's kind of like a, uh, a, a, a puzzle 
we are a piece in a greater puzzle. Uh, one piece mm -hmm. is not more important than the other and may be larger or may be smaller, uh, but it's still part of the whole. And so uh, uh, it's up to each individual to decide what path they want to take to bring them closer to their creator and uh, uh, closer to uh, their fellow human being. You, well, my question is, do you think that that journey, that that exploration, that that reflection, especially now that we are so isolated from one another, um, not even able to go and, and have a Seder together in the same room or worship in, in a church. I mean, there are some places where you can, which is, you know, there's an opinion about that, but, um, but do you think that, that there's, that there's a special significance during this time, whether you are Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu or Jewish or Christian or, or even atheist, uh, belief in something, uh, believing in nothing believes it's something. Um, do you think that there is a, a, a special significance to that journey and that conversation right now in history that may be different than the past? Or do you think it's the same as it's always uh, been? I, I think will always be the principle of loving thy neighbor as thyself uh, is applicable <laughs> as much today as it is uh, five, was 5,000 years ago or earlier uh, because the human condition has not changed. The technology has changed. The amount of knowledge of the universe and knowledge about ourselves uh, has changed, has evolved. Uh, but basically, uh, from a social point of view uh, and a relationship point of view, uh, man's characteristics have not changed. Uh, I don't believe that uh, somebody uh, who sat around a table and made a decision as to how people should conduct themselves 300 years ago or 5,000 years ago uh, had any greater uh, sense of uh, uh, man's position in the universe than we do today. Is there anything in particular that you're reflecting on this Passover? Well, I'm reflecting upon the the uh, passage of time and the separation uh, from family. I think the, the family relationship is very, very important. And uh, people's vanity gets in the way of... Uh, uh, achieving greater happiness. And so I, I reflecting upon the separation of family as being uh, a negative thing and not a positive thing. Yeah. I would venture to say that that holds true for the family of humankind as well. That's a microcosm of a much larger picture. And, and that's what I'm reflecting on right now. Uh, as, and it includes separation from family and, you know, our personal family, our blood family and our family of friends. But for me, it, it 
it really extends to our global family. Um, as you were saying, we're all, you know, part of one thing. And, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling a lot of division in the world still, in spite of this situation that we find ourselves in that has the potential to bring people together. And in some ways, in some places, and some people is, but I'm still seeing a lot of, of division and a lot of hatred and a lot of us and them and, and the vanity that you're talking about, I think is, is a big part of it. Um, well, that's why I say, do you feel I say that uh, uh, technology may have advanced our knowledge of certain things may have advanced, but the, char- the human characteristics uh, have remained the same as they have been uh, all along. So these negative uh, representations that were true in the past are still true today and I think will always be true. Uh, we're always in the... Uh, in the battle, uh, either as observers or participants, in uh, uh, good versus evil. Uh, how you define evil, how you define good. That's why I'm, I'm going back mm-hmm. to the, the biblical reference of loving thy neighbor as thyself. Because if mankind treated his fellow as he would want to be treated, it would be a much better happier world not it's such a simple concept isn't it it's such a simple concept that even a child can understand why is it that in the 21st century we haven't all tuned into that same frequency well as the comedian used to say the devil made me do it you know uh (laughs) the devil's been making uh mankind do it since the beginning of man um and that's why when you when you look at uh uh certain books uh like the bible for example uh there are representations made uh which apply to the human being to this day um so it's not really a historical book it's a handbook a manual of how to conduct yourself uh, and how to live a better life well but then there are also different interpretations of that book there are different trends that's where man comes into the picture and puts his finger in the soup you know there's always there's always there's always passages it's always a spoiler, we'll never even know. you know, who thinks he or yeah. she knows better. And that, that is one right. of the negative characteristics of humankind. And that will not change. It doesn't mean one doesn't strive uh, to uh, make positive change, but that is a characteristic that has been with us since uh, the beginning. And I think we'll stick with us. That doesn't mean you, you stop trying. Right. Do you think that that the potential is there no, someday? That, yeah. 
I remember my grandmother, your mother, used to say that potential means nothing unless you're doing something with it. <laughs> well, there's truth in that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's been a really great interview, Dad. Thank you so much for taking the time on Passover. And um, I look forward to sharing a virtual Seder with you. And um, keep uh, keep in touch, okay, about all of this. And if something occurs to you and you want to come back and, and expand on anything, um, I'll be here waiting. Okay. Uh, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Give my uh, grand dog, uh, Stanley, a kiss. And tell sure him that will. I miss him and miss you and love you. And thank you very much. Love you. Hug some Bye. Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project Wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. You've been listening to The Lost Traveler with Henry Cameron Allen. For more information, please visit www.henryallen.org. Thanks so much for tuning in, and let's all keep striving for a better world. Thank you.